didn't work. Oh, this is going to work. Welcome to Wednesday Night Live, the class that puts some peak in your week and a smile on your face. Tonight, we're looking at the end of the book of James. James has been one of those books that we have been looking at for a while now, and it's good to finally sort of put it to rest, and we will have a study of Colossians beginning next week. And we'll be putting what Colossians is about and giving you some of the history of the book. So come back next week and hear about the book of Colossians. This is a class where we learn from each other. That means I love comments. If you've got questions, I'll do the best I can to answer them or get somebody else who knows more to answer them. But we do learn from each other. So let's speak up, ask questions, make comments, please. Let's do a quick review. In chapter 1, it talks about trials and temptations and how to handle trials and temptations. And there's a wisdom from God that will be specific in what you ought to do. Then there was about learning and doing. It's not enough to know about the Bible and sort of put it in your folder. The Bible's a book that needs to be followed. We need to do what it says. So you learn, but then you put it into practice. You won't get it perfect, but it helps life. Chapter 2, we talked about favoritism. The rich man got the prime seats and the poor man got to sit at their feet. And why that was wrong. It's because they weren't loving their neighbor as they loved themselves. And faith means doing. James says, faith without works is dead. So faith means doing. Chapter 3, taming the tongue. This is the very famous verse that a lot of preachers like to go to. Taming the tongue, be careful what you say. It's a discipline to be able to control what you say about other people. And then there are the two kinds of wisdom. One is earthly. And it has some really catastrophic results. And then there's heavenly, and it has the results of following God. Chapter 4, submit yourselves to God. And then chapter 5, we just went through the first part, and it's a warning to the rich and suffering from the poor. This is where the rich people had them go out and work in their fields and harvest the crops, and then withhold money from them, their paychecks. And that was bad because some of these people were living day to day. If they didn't get paid, they didn't eat that day. So he was very pointed when it came to it. Now, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this study and the people who have come to study with us together. I ask that you use this class to bring you glory and honor and help me get out of the way that people can see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is any one of you in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. 
Is any one of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner away from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Any of you in trouble, pray. If you're happy, sing songs of praise. How do you define prayer? Do y'all pray? How would you define what you do? Say. Uh, prayer, uh, part of the definition would be just communicating to God uh, your feelings. Okay, very good. Thank you. It's communication with God. Good definition. Well, what about Paul and Silas? Over in Acts 16, they are thrown in jail. And at night, they're singing hymns. Is that prayer? I got some people shaking their heads, but you got, you got to talk so we can get it on tape here and send it out. <laughs> we, have, we have songs that are written prayers. Dear Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Y'all remember singing that? That's a prayer. It's just put to music. Sue. I, I, it says, is anyone happy? But I somehow don't, have, well, I have a hard time imagining that they are happy. Maybe they have reasons, though, to be thankful that, you know, they feel like that this is for God's benefit somehow. But even in the tough times, they know God's with them. And so they can say, Okay, very good. Thank you. They praise God no matter what's happening in their lives. Paul and Silas, when Paul had the thorn in the flesh, he prayed three times, 
God take it away? And when God didn't, Paul said, okay. Y'all remember that, 2 Corinthians? Okay. If anyone is troubled, he should pray. If he's happy, he should sing songs of praise. If any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. There are three types in those two verses that are different types of prayer. Which ones do you see? Prayer. If I'm in trouble personally and I'm praying to get out of that trouble, I'm praying in that situation for myself. The second is prayer for others. Do you see a third type? Down in verse 14. Do they differ from each other? Or are they basically the same? Raynom's lines points out that the third type is others praying for us. So it's us praying for us, us praying for others, and then us others praying for us. So that would be a little different too. Yeah, that's a good observation. That was, I didn't catch the name. That was Raina from Pennell's Park. Thank you. Okay, we're going to get into one of the more controversial verses here, and I'm hoping to make it make sense. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him in the name of the Lord. Why should, prayer, why should the church leaders get involved in prayer for sick people? Chuck. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You're ahead of me, but I'll catch up to you, I promise. controversial verses in James. Uh, there are all kinds of theories and things out there about, okay, why call the elders of the church and to pray for you when you're sick? I mean, do they have a, a hotline to heaven since they're the elders of the church? Or can anybody do this? Well, it's been interesting, so I've started doing some research. 
And I spent most of Monday and Tuesday doing research on this verse. If there's any of sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. This is the Bible in basic English. Is any of you ill, let him send for the rulers of the church and let them say prayers over him, putting oil on him in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the man who is ill, will be made well. And if he's been lifted up by the Lord and for any sin which he has committed, which he has done, he will have forgiveness. So why elders? And why does this man who is sick get that special treatment? I went to the Greek. And when I go to the Greek, I am so mixed up that I've just got to go back and see what it said in the original. And it says something very unique in the original. It says, you go and call for the elders if a man has become constantly sinning and it resulted in illness. Now you know why you're, you're talking to elders. You're talking about somebody who's constantly sinning and it resulted in illness. See how that starts to flow? So what kind of diseases could result from constantly sinning? I've been staring at that sign. I came over here to stare at y'all. Cirrhosis. That's a good one. Well, this is easy if you think about it. HIV? What other kinds? Y'all ever work? Raina points out alcoholism and drug use. Alcoholism, drug use? And I'm going to add to that. Well, Heidi says STDs. I'll also add to that the stress that a lot of times causes because of the bl high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, just from hard living. Oh, that's a good one. And who wrote that in? Uh, the guy behind the microphone. Okay. I think it was very good. <laughs> They're all part of it. So, are all illnesses part of sin? I've got you all shaking your heads, but they can't hear that as we broadcast it out. Sue says no. And your reason for saying no? Well, when Jesus was healing people, uh, there was a man who uh, he healed. And they felt like, the people around felt like it was because of either his sin or the sins of his parents. And Jesus says neither one has 
Okay, the man blind from birth, out of John 9. That's a good one. What's well, this on the premise that the, the only reason you get sick is because you've sinned? Yeah. And that's an invalid premise. Yeah. That is an invalid premise. But there are major religions that have started up on this premise. If you've got a right relationship with God, you never get sick. You never do hurt. And if you do start hurting or get sick, that's a sign that you've done something wrong and you're getting punished. That's not what the verse says. The verse doesn't say that you have to. We've got a lot of scripture here. And... Uh, some of that was handed out on a sheet. You should have that sheet. And so we don't have to look at every scripture. You can look at them at your own special time. But not all sin is. This is from Francis Chan. I've used him before. He's a, a scholar and a Greek scholar. Modern health experts are finding out physical ailments often do have a spiritual cause or at least a psychological cause. Guilt and stress, broken relationships can make us more susceptible to disease. So Francis Chan says what we just went through with COVID and that isolation where we couldn't go back and have our relationships, that could be a reason some people get sick. And counselors' offices right now are filled. I tried to recommend for a couple to go somewhere else, and they said they could get to them probably in September. They're that full. So it's not necessarily, but it can be. Now, the word for anoint is important here. What it literally means is to massage. So it's not just dump some oil on him and wherever you dump it, that's good. Now this is, you put it on a special area. So it could be a physical rash or something like that that's, that's got him convinced that he's really sick. Why do you think James would be talking about the sick person's sins? Who's James writing to? Christians everywhere. I was trying to give you a hint. Christians everywhere. So, forgiving a six person's sins is important.
Okay, good. This side's moving. I got excited. <laughs> if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. You ever wonder why? That verse is there. Do you think it guarantees healing? We kind of think that verse 15 says if we're faithful enough, we won't get sick. Some people want to know exactly what's wrong with you. I do counseling, as most of you know. And depressed people especially who come in, some can be depressed just because they are. And then there's some who can be depressed because they are covering something up that they did that was not so nice. So, do you pray for people like that? Chuck. Of course. Of course. <laughs> the master of the short answer tonight. <laughs> That's okay. We get confused sometimes. <laughs> um, it reminds me a lot of times of Jesus during his healing ministry. People would drag their sick friends and, and relatives for miles just to be, even be in his shadow. Um, they had that much faith that he could heal them. And, and later he reaches out to people and what you hear is he forgives them of sins. And that we're at a point where, you know, past Christ, but it's the same thing. And we would do that. People have cancer, you would drag them across the country if you knew that you could get that forgiven. How far would you drag somebody who needed sins forgiven? And it's just as deadly. Actually, it is, that's the deadly thing anyway, is the sin and not so much the disease. Okay, sin's not so much the disease. Here comes the tough one. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Why would you confess your sins to each other, or why wouldn't you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other? Chuck. Some people don't know how to keep their mouth shut. People don't know how to keep their mouth shut, okay? So they could be revealing your sins. Okay, good. Sue? Uh, you want people to feel like, to look at you and think you're perfect. You don't want anybody to know that you've ever done anything wrong. 
Yeah, Christians are supposed to put on that, be that perfect person without faults. That's a good. Thank you, Sue. Chuck. There's some groups that have, I would call, mechanized this. You need to pick somebody out to be your prayer partner and, and everything confess them. This is a very, this isn't pick, a, pick somebody out in the crowd and that would be your prayer partner. You confess them. That's not what this is about. This is about a deep relationship you have with someone. Uh huh. Thank you. <laughs> so it's it's a person that you you have a deep relationship with, and that you can talk to. Talk to them. You're strengthened. Strengthens the relationship. The relationship to God. Because, right. Because then you can say, okay, that's that's not bothering me like it was. Good. Very good. When I know somebody else is struggling with something that I'm struggling with, then I, I feel like I'm not alone uh, and that perhaps maybe we can work on it together. Uh, that when, you're, when you're afraid to be open with people, it's at least you really empty. Uh-huh. Very good. It's kind of scary, isn't it? It's where you're vulnerable. It's your sore spot. It's, it's that thing that, that if you don't tell the right person, they can use it against you. But if you find somebody who is serving God, he has a forgiving nature. He's not going to hold it against you. He's going to try to lift your arms and put them around each other and, and carry you a little bit. I always have somebody that when I, my thinking's getting messed up and I know it, I go to. And it hasn't been Sue, because sometimes my thinking gets messed up about her. We've been married 50 years. And sometimes I get my mind all construed. That was brave. I just wanted y'all to know that. Doug. We got a comment online from Heidi. She says, I think when you hide your sin, you always feel terrible and withdraw. It's important to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need that person that you can go to that you know will keep it a secret. It, it, it's the counselor's dream. is the person who comes to you knows you can keep a secret. If he doesn't know you can know a secret, he won't be open with you. Sue. I had a friend this week posted on Facebook that he wished there was a social media platform where he could offer apologies 
without having to go to the person that it was directed to, without calling them, without bringing attention. And sometimes that's what we're looking to too, is we're looking to get something off our chest, whether it's somebody we can trust, God, piece of paper that was lit on fire, whatever, just get it off our chest. Okay, very good. This is from Michael Bickle. Michael Bickle has written a lot of uh, small group studies. He has worked on a couple commentaries. Here's his comment on this verse. Honest prayer with our Christian brothers and sisters requires authenticity and honesty. This involves the confession of sins. We need to put things on the table with God and get honest with him. Getting honest with each other is part of the process. Can you think of times that you're supposed to go to somebody in the Bible that you're, that's your instruction? Go. Let me give you a couple. Somebody comes and tells you uh, person A has said nasty things about you. And you go to person A and you say, have you, have you said nasty things about me and it's going to end in two ways. It can end that he says, I never said anything like that. And I've had that happen. Or they can say, yeah, I did. And you can work it out. But that's, that takes that open and honesty that you can do that with. Any other times that you're supposed to, to be with your brethren? Forgiveness is a celebration. Uh, when somebody comes and asks for prayers, one of the things that's bothering me in a couple congregations is people leave before they hear what has happened. They just want to get to the restaurant first, so they get out of town. They need to know you forgive them and you're there for them and you love them. Okay running out of time. We often feel that verses something like this, we must live good godly guys, righteous enough to, to make God answer our prayers. Do you think confessing to each other is important for the healing and answered prayers? I've been looking at them. I'll come over and look at you for a while. Tough question? If you go to a doctor, you confess what's bothering you to a doctor so that they can help you. It's similar to that, where you're confessing your sins to someone else so they can help you with that issue that you have. Oh, very good. Thank you, Lee. Very good.
isn't usually like in a 12-step programs the first step is acknowledging that you have a problem so it's the same kind of thing acknowledge you've got sin if you don't it'll work it'll go unchecked and you'll never get past that so the first step is acknowledge very good thank you Doug. Who's righteous? Anybody want to volunteer being righteous? I had a professor at Lipscomb who says, anybody want to say they're perfect? And one of the girls in the third row said, just you, Dr. Ellis. It's just you. Nobody's perfect. Are we right? Oh, it says righteous. What's the difference? Righteous, we're righteous because of what God did through Jesus Christ. Okay. So that makes all of us righteous because we have a relationship with God because of what Christ did on the cross. And we have taken advantage of that. Okay. You, you got ahead of me, but that's okay. You've been ahead of me for 50 years, so that's okay. I'll catch up. This is where grace comes in. That we live in grace and God makes us righteous. We don't make us righteous. God makes us righteous. And it's counting on the fact that God makes us righteous that's important. Because none of us are perfect. What if God doesn't heal somebody we're praying for? That, that's, that mean we have, don't have enough faith? Or that we're not righteous? You all shaking your heads again, and that doesn't go on the tape real well. So. You're saying something, Sue? No. <laughs> One of those in-depth answers. <laughs> no. Okay, that works. All of us know people that we prayed for that didn't get well. And it wasn't because we didn't want them to get well. And then there are times when people don't get well. Does that often hurt our prayer life? So, it should some, some do, some don't. Because sometimes he doesn't answer it. In this particular case, you're praying for someone to be healed. But you, we offer lots of prayers up. Sometimes we don't know what's best for us. Okay, sometimes we don't know what's best. Heidi, Heidi online says, Paul was righteous, but God did not make him well. Oh, that's a good mm -hmm. one, Heidi. Very good, thank you. You're pointing over there. Oh, okay. Elijah was a man, and I like to emphasize this, that's why it's underlined, just like us. He prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. 
Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. When you think about Elijah, what do you think of? He had such an impact on the king that he sat there and said, you troublemaker. Because it hadn't rained. Kind of think of almost Superman. He's the one holding out when Israel's going down the tubes. And yet it says he's a man just like us. He prayed earnestly, it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. He prays again, and the heavens give rain. And the earth produces its crops. Can we do that? If God wills. Is that Paul? Thank you, Paul. If God wills. Why do he do it for Elijah? Elijah didn't do it for himself. He did it to show the people the power of God. But he's a man just like us. We have some elders here. Chuck, does people come to you for special prayers about something? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Doug? Yeah. Yeah. They come to preachers for special prayers, too. Uh, I was working with William, who was another elder, who was in charge of the food program that day, and I was working on it, and he announced that their, the minister was here, and he was right over there, and then he told me to stand up, and I stood up, and we had a line of people that just came up, and some of the stuff was serious. <laughs> he does have a good sense of humor. He's a close friend, but he has a great sense of humor. <laughs> and if he's just like us, it's not that elders or preachers are, are supermen. We're people. And we have a lot of good Christians who have the same in with God that we do. You're his child. And that's important to hold on to. Have you ever seen prayer cause change in people or circumstances? I'm getting some heads this way. Sue. And 
times and you know we had all the people we needed to do all the things that we needed to do uh, and I think like Chuck was saying it wasn't about me it was about helping other people and perhaps that's why God answered my prayer but I, I saw him answer prayers Monday Somebody else, or I'm going to tell my dad's story. I got a phone call when we lived in Pittsburgh that my dad had lung cancer, that the doctor had done a needle biopsy and there was no doubt. And that he was going to have a, they were going to cut in and take a bigger sample and find out exactly what kind of cancer it was. And we had people praying, I guess it's, my dad was fairly well known in Pennsylvania. And we had people praying in at least nine different churches that I know of. And when they went in and took the sample out, it wasn't cancerous. So how do you go from a needle biopsy where it is to it isn't? That's kind of wake-up call that stuff like that does happen. Yeah, yeah, very good. My brothers, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Does, he, does this fit? I mean, we've been talking about answered prayer and elders anointing people and praying, and how does this fit? I'm not even getting the yeses and the noes, so now this could be bad. I can get you the verse up. If the elders go and anoint the man and pray for the man and the man is healed, and if sins, if it sin has caused it, he will be forgiven. Remember that verse, 13, 14? How's this one fit? If somebody wanders away from the truth and back into sin, how do you get them back? This verse says, you get them back by sliding in next to them and praying with them and helping them see that God's way is the best way. What do you think, what kind of people is James talking about in this chapter? I forgot this one was in there. 
Some of us rich, some of us poor. Yeah. Yeah. Here are the people that have been mentioned. Rich people. Workers. Sufferers. People in trouble. People sick. And now, people have wandered away from the faith. All puts in the context of how valuable your prayer life is. Okay. We're running out of time, so let me plug my Colossians class. Colossians is what one commentator says is the book on what it means to be a Christian. So we will have a class that I think will be very pertinent to living your Christian faith. I appreciate everybody that's participated. Thanks for being here. And thank you for tuning in on the web. Come back next week as we start